this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. We're also grateful for the support of FACET, a career coaching and talent management firm. FACET has helped the employees of hundreds of companies improve performance, find or move into their right position, or change careers. FACET can help your organization improve both the analytical and interpersonal sides of your business. Worry less, FACET more. For more information, visit facetgroup.com. This is a special rebroadcast of our second interview ever, back in May of 2017, when I interviewed Rick Shapwe and my husband, John Swift, on the history of Mardi Gras Lafayette and the many, many people who worked to make this annual festival a wonderful, family-friendly event. I started Discover Lafayette because of my love for our community. There's so much to learn about your fellow neighbors. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd like to welcome to the show Rick Shapwe and my husband, John Swift, who are both very active in Mardi Gras and serve as officers in the Greater Southwest Louisiana Mardi Gras Association. Let's start with Rick, and we'll talk about the history of Mardi Gras and uh, how you got involved in this. Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jan. Uh, great, yes. Uh, I, before I get into to what I've done uh, and my my uh, run with, with this, the association, uh, I'll give you a little background on the history of, of Mardi Gras in, in Lafayette. Uh, it's actually, uh, a lot of people associate Mardi Gras with the culmination and the organization of the Greater Southwest Mardi Gras Association, which was in 1934. But Mardi Gras happened in Lafayette uh, a, a good good bit earlier than that. Um, the first recorded celebration of Mardi Gras in Lafayette was back in February 14th of 1869. Uh, it was nothing like the party we have now, uh, but was more nothing more than a, a party at the courthouse and, <laughs> and a band. Uh, but again, you know, music and dance in South Louisiana is pretty much all you need to have a party. But that's that was the first recorded Mardi Gras in Lafayette. Do you know much about that event? Did they have what we would look at as like maybe horse-drawn carts for the parade, or do you know at, any details? At that point, no. It was just a party. It was. Uh-huh. It was. It was. It was. There was a band. Uh, I believe it was uh, Clement's band was the name of the band, and really just a party at the courthouse. Uh, nothing more than that. It was in um, 1897 when the idea of having a king and a queen. Oh came about and they actually uh they they put together a parade and a pageant and a ball uh the first king was judge uh martin his uh he he reigned as king of tacopaw mm-hmm. and this was an interesting fact and it ran for quite a while until 1961 um he loaded up on the local locomotive in in new iberia and he rode into town on the train, which was sort of like his throne. Mm-hmm. And he got off. Actually, we're at the Rosa Park Center. He disembarked his train right here. Right here. And then loaded up on a mule-drawn uh, float. And they had, I believe, five other floats. And they were, again, pulled by mules. And they used the uh, flambeaux. Gentlemen walked with flambeaux in front of the floats to keep mm-hmm. them lit, to, 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 to provide light. Uh, and and that was really that was the first Mardi Gras, uh-huh. that kind of where we've evolved from and 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 have gone from from there. You called him the King of Atacapaw. Was that the crew of Atacapaw, or was that just the <clears> no? King's it was just name? it was a, it was the name that he was given, King mm-hmm. Atacapaw. What uh, a character! He must have had a great time. Huh? Yes, yes, and, <laughs> and others around him, his, and, and his servants. And I bet Atacapaw was the Indian tribe that had settled in this area. Yes. Yeah. That's neat. So when did um, when did it become more organized? Do you know much about uh, when that coalesced? Well, it was really more organized when Greater Southwest was was formed, and that was uh, in 1933. Uh, is when they really started planning for an annual citywide celebration. 
uh, a gentleman by the name of Stanley Martin with post number 69 of the American Legion here in Lafayette uh, got some gentlemen together in 1933 and then in 1934 uh, it became a reality uh, under the leadership of the post uh, mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of uh, Gaston Abair, uh, Stanley Martin uh, Mr. Laurent Como uh, and various other uh, gentlemen and, and one of the more notable Mr. Maurice Hyman Oh, yes. Uh, and, yeah, they, later. and that's yeah. where Greater Southwest was formed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was formed basically in, in conjunction with the city to take the, the, the effort off of the city to have to put Mardi Gras on, and Southwest took on that burden to provide a, a, just a great party for, for Lafayette for Mardi Gras. So that was the first group of volunteers mm-hmm. that saw that Mardi Gras was a celebration for the whole community. It was. And Mr. Abair served as president, uh, the first president of Southwest, and he served from 1934 and until 1940. Uh, but again, Mr. Again, Mr. Hyman, who did mm-hmm. so much for the city of Lafayette, uh, again, he was named the, the father of Lafayette's Mardi Gras because he basically underwrote a lot of the activities for the group until Southwest was able to sustain itself. And that was at the height of the Depression. I know that it was, you know, things were getting better, but um, that was quite an undertaking at that point in in our history. But Mr. Hyman was always a leader um, in seeing that Lafayette grew and thrived. I shouldn't be surprised. He loved the city. He loved the city and wanted to do uh, what he could to to make it a great great celebration. So do you think at that point that's when some of the crews started developing, or was it still just um, they would choose a king? Well, it was just they would choose a king and a queen, and it wasn't until 1949 (coughs) that the crew of Gabriel was formed. Uh, at some point during uh, the Mardi Gras celebrations, they, they decided to name the king and queen, uh, King Gabriel and Queen Evangeline. And uh, the crew of Gabriel was formed to be somewhat of a partnership with Greater Southwest to help fund Mardi Gras. Uh, while Southwest organized Mardi Gras, the crew was formed to, to help fund it and, and fund the, the cost that came along with mm-hmm. having having a celebration like this. So they went out, I guess, the, the crew of Gabriel went out and recruited members recruited and members dues and, and, and uh, charged dues have a and big party like a ball. Um, exactly. And then and then that's where they chose uh, from the member the membership they chose the maids that would mm-hmm. pre- would be presented and of course from there a queen and then uh, the dukes from from that crew as well. Right. Do you have information about the first queen? Yes, uh, as if a I'm not of putting fact, you on the do. spot, uh, the first, it was probably a family member of Rick. Yeah, well, it wasn't far off. Uh, <clears throat> the first Queen Evangeline was Miss Mabel Broussard, uh, and King Gabriel, the first King Gabriel in 1934 was uh, George Gardner. Uh, uh, but it, it, yeah, as, as I said, uh, my, my family's been uh, ingrained in Mardi Gras mm-hmm. uh, for for generations. Uh, my grandmother, uh, Miss Bella Nickerson. Uh, served as Queen Evangeline the Fourth back in 1937. <laughs> wow, Rick. And that's that's where it started for our Nickerson, family. Yeah, uh, but and, and, and you asked about uh, the other the crews forming. Uh, like I said, Gabriel was formed in '49. Then in 1951, the Lafayette Mardi Gras Association was formed. Uh, actually, you can go back a little bit. Um, the first children's crew uh, was formed which was the crew of Oberon. Mm-hmm. And that still in was, existence, right? It's still in existence mm-hmm. today. It's, it's technically one of the oldest crews in Lafayette. Uh, and again, yes, they still have a parade, and they still have a very active uh, membership for those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, Mardi Gras just started blossoming. You had a lot of different crews uh, form. Um, from the crew of Gabriel, uh, Bonaparte was, mm-hmm. was, was born. Uh, folks uh, that couldn't get into the crew of Gabriel... Uh, basically the younger folks, while it was kind of like a waiting uh, crew, you know, you, you waited out your time to get in the crew of Gabriel, mm-hmm. so you, you joined Bonaparte. Uh, and again, there's countless number of crews that have, have, have started up over the years, uh, everybody wanting to get in and uh-huh. get a little piece of the action, have some fun with Mardi Gras. Do you know how many crews exist today, John? Probably you know? at least 20. 20 uh, crews, wow. That we're involved in with our parades. Mm-hmm. And, but then there would be other crews outside the city of Lafayette. Right. Yeah, right. in the Acadiana area, you've got plenty uh, uh-huh. that, that, that 
not necessarily associated with Greater Southwest, but just plenty of crews out there right. that want to join in on the fun. Well, while we're talking about your family background, Rick, um, I guess, first of all, I must say, you, you probably don't have any choice but to be involved in Mardi Gras. It's in your blood <laughs> it, at this it, point. It, it runs in our blood. It yes. does. But um, can you talk about your family um, heritage, some of the people that have served as kings and, sure, and queens? Sure. Uh, as I mentioned, my, my, my grandmother, uh, Bella Nickerson uh, Shapwee, was, was Queen Evangeline IV in 1937, um, my my aunt uh, Cherie Craft, mm-hmm. who goes by her her, her her real name is Bella Elizabeth Shapui, uh, was queen in 1966. My grandfather Richard Shapui Sr. was King Gabriel in 1972. Um, I served as a royal page to uh, the King uh, Gabriel. Uh, Pat Domang, and that was in 1982. As a shorter individual. As a a shorter individual. Uh, I I still remember kicking and screaming when my mother put tights and uh, and (laughs) lipstick on me. (laughs) How old were you then? I believe in 80, I was 11 years, no, 10 years old. It's a good thing this is radio and not TV because, you know, we won't have to embarrass you with (laughs) photos. Yeah, yeah. You'd ask me to, if you asked me to put lipstick on again, I'd probably have to say no. Uh, Then my sister served as Queen Evangeline in 1988. And what is her name? Um, Elise Shapui. Mm-hmm. Well, married Elise Danner mm-hmm. now. Um, my father served as King Gabriel in 2000, Richard Shapui Jr. Um, and then we've had, I've had uh, two of my cousins, uh, Elizabeth Kraft uh, Cortez served as Queen Evangeline, mm-hmm. and Sarah Nickerson Shapui served as Queen Evangeline as well. So right. we've had... Quite a few uh, folks in the family mm-hmm. serve as royalty. Uh, and in addition, uh, serving as royalty in the cruise, um, I'm just finishing up my term as the president of the Greater Southwest Louisiana Mardi Gras Association. Uh, my father served as president of that organization in 1992. My uncle, Ralph Kraft, served as president in 1993. And my uncle John Shapoey served in 1998. Mm-hmm. So again, it, that's a lot of service. It runs in the blood. Yes, plenty of service for Mardi Gras. We 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 love it. And, right. And and how else better to to enjoy it but to serve and, and make sure it's a success. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was that um, before John was involved in this as an officer uh, in the group, I. As just an outsider, I had no idea how much work it is to put on a parade, much less the balls and all the um, parties that go along with it. And it can seem, I think, to people that may not be involved, it's just a fun event on Mardi Gras and some nights, you know, the weekend or two before Mardi Gras to show up and catch beads. But in fact, this is a year-long process. As soon as Mardi Gras is over, you guys are busy getting ready for the next one. And it's actually your group... um, the, the Greater uh, Southwest Louisiana Mardi Gras Association partners with the police, um, fire, the, the city government. There's so many different people involved. And so I want to kind of segue into that, and we can go back and talk about specifics. But, John, this year you were parade chair. And as your spouse, I was shocked at I, I didn't really see him, Rick, as you know, probably for the two months before he was on the phone at meetings. Mm-hmm. Organizing volunteers, uh, meeting with the you police. You serve a lot of roles in Southwest, you do. but the parade chairman is probably the most important and one of the most time-consuming jobs that you'll serve right. when you run through that board. Right, but I'd like to hear from John because I know your focus was on safety first. I mean, it, it, it looks like a lot of fun, but there was so much focus on safety of our whole community. So why don't you maybe talk about your role this year as as parade chair and what what in, what was involved in that? Well. We want to put on a family-friendly, fun, safe parade. And so there's a lot of elements to that. But you were mentioning about you didn't know how much work it was. Well, I had no idea either. (laughs) I got a call. They don't tell you ahead of time. No, purposefully. Uh, Bill Johnson and Cliff Lane contacted me to to serve on the board. And I had no idea this is what was going to be involved. And I, of course, said yes. And then you work your way up, and next thing you know, you're yeah. the parade chair. The Wizard of Oz opens up the curtains. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Jen, after this year's parades, it was probably less than 
two weeks, we had our, our first meeting to prepare for 2018 at the police department. It's an annual debriefing. You have the police department, fire department, uh, sheriff department, city marshal, uh, UL, public uh, management, public, public works, works uh, and everybody comes in, and we just have a debriefing and talk about everything that happened this year and uh, what we can do to make it better. Uh, and so you're already running uh, before uh, much time goes by. Uh, and <clears throat> we do uh, – we've already met this year with our uh, one of our float providers for next year. Uh, he's already started uh, building more floats and, and preparing his floats. Uh, we've uh, reached out to the uh, – the drivers come from the Boy Scouts and the Cub Scouts to them. The trucks come from Service Chevrolet. We've already reached out to them, and we're just in early May. Mm-hmm. It's just you just have to do all that. But you lock them in early so that there's no surprises. Yes, most people would call you crazy talking about Mardi Gras in May. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, and and this this next year, I get to serve as the chairman of the ball committee, and I called one of the important people for that. And he was like, "Do we have to talk about that already?" <laughs> but but it's good to do that. Um, insofar as the uh, the parades that are involved, uh, Rick was telling you that the first King's Parade was 1897. Uh, we've had the King's Parade for the last 78 years, except we missed uh, five years during World War II and uh, one year during the Korean conflict. But other than that, they've run every year. Uh, now, starting in 1970, the Queen's Parade began for the first time on Monday night. And then in 1986, uh, Bonaparte, uh, a crew, uh, formed their their uh, uh, parade, and uh, that one uh, began on a Saturday night in 86. And then uh, four years later, 1990, the children's crews, the, uh, Oberon and the others that you were talking about, they formed their parade, which we have on Saturday afternoon. In 1998, the uh, Friday kickoff parade began, which is a number of different crews uh, uh, will get together for that particular uh, parade. And in 2005, we had a, a crew uh, like Bonaparte form their own parade. This is the crew of Rio. Uh, and then at some point, I'm not sure when, the independent parade got started, and they run on Tuesdays following the, um, uh, the Gabriel Parade and the Lafayette Mardi Gras Association uh, parade, and so, <clears throat> and so far as Greater Southwest here in the town of Lafayette, we uh, help organize and run seven different parades during that Mardi Gras season. Uh, so we are uh, busy with that, and, and somewhat invisible to the community. All this hard work going on, but it's not evident that it's run by a group of volunteers, at least from my perception. I just, I never had any idea. The perception is Mardi Gras comes around, mm-hmm. floats show up and roll down the street right. and throw beads, you know, that right. nobody really understands or, 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 or realizes the amount of work that goes into planning right. this, this event we have during Mardi Gras. How many uh, floats were riding this year? Well, this year we had... Uh, around 20 crews that were involved in the uh, parades, and we had a total of 134 floats. And the floats are different sized, and so some will have maybe 15 riders and maybe some 20. Sure. Something like that. So if you would just average those numbers, we had somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 riders on the floats. Each buying beads. Yes. And spending money on accoutrements, costumes, oh, yeah. and... Uh, costumes, wow. bees, mm-hmm. trinkets, everything. Man. Would this be a good time to yes. talk about the economic impact? Does this have impact? an impact on our uh, economy? <laughs> good question, Jan. Uh, I would be happy to talk about that. Uh, w- what we know is kind of old uh, research on it because the, uh, the last reports that I have of uh, uh, economic impact were done in 2010. Mm-hmm. And the Lafayette Convention and Visitors 
Commission, along with Greater Southwest Louisiana Mar- uh, Mardi Gras Association, requested a study. And it was done by Lucy uh, Hinky and Gwen Fontenot of ULL. And what they reported really <clears throat> opened my eyes because I had no idea. And what they talked about were uh, basically three important things. The number of people that came out to watch the parades, the amount of money spent by them and other people in the Mardi Gras season, and the amount of revenue generated for the city parish as a result of all of this. Um, they determined uh, that there were 272,000 people came out to watch the parades, and they, they came out more than just for one parade. On the average, they would go to 4.6 parades uh, each person and uh, during the, uh, in the parish of Lafayette. And so by, if you just added up the number of people that went to each parade, you had 1.26 million people coming to Lafayette uh, to watch these parades. Uh, now, <clears throat> of the 272,000 people that came, a third of these, these people uh, or uh, 90,000 uh, were from uh, out of town. Mm-hmm. And so they came in, uh, uh, some came in just the day trippers is what they call them. Some come for the day, and then some would stay overnight. Now, out of those 90,000 people from out of town, uh, roughly a third, uh, uh, 27,000, would stay at least one night in a hotel. And so there, there's a lot of revenue uh, right. generated that way. Uh, I was surprised that we had uh, a million, over a million people watching the parades back then. Uh, but that's like taking all the parades. And right. Then. So like each, if you're there Tuesday, that's you're adding, watching For each parades. person that watched yeah. three or four parades, yeah. yeah you you could hang but, out Tuesday and then maybe a Saturday night and you're, yeah. yeah but but just it. individual people, right. it's about a quarter of a million yeah, that's, would yeah. come watch. Um, so that's most of Acadiana. People do come. And then like you said, from other towns – maybe a little bit farther away mm-hmm. where it's too far to drive back home and want to and stay oh, over. Oh, sure, from out of state. Mm-hmm. Right. We have people from outside the United States that want to come and watch. Well, remember this. that parade? I shouldn't be throwing in personal anecdotes, but we were out dressed up to go to Bonaparte one night, and John mm-hmm. and I were out watching the parade, and we were dressed up in people we met from all over the country. They thought yeah. we were part of the parade because yeah. we were in our ball right. outfits, and we <laughs> met more people from out of yeah. way out of state. They were from all over the country. It's amazing where they come from, where uh-huh. folks come from. I'm, I'm in charge, uh, in addition to my duties with Greater Southwest, I'm on the board for the crew of Gabriel, and I chair the Tuesday, the King's Parade. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge of that parade, and we load our floats with beads Mardi Gras week. And we load uh, near Beaver Park, and there's a lot of visitors that come through, mm-hmm. and we get so many people that come by because they see our floats and they see us loading beads. I mean, uh, people from I've had people from China come by from I mean not just out of the state, out of out of the country, uh, China, uh, Singapore. We've had folks from Seattle, Washington, from the mm-hmm. East Coast. Uh, I mean, from coast to coast, come to Lafayette. To, to experience Mardi Gras. It's just such a unique experience. You can't really comprehend it until you see it, but it's just so much fun. And, and people it, are just with their families. We have such a great community to let people relax and, and feel safe. It yeah. is a wonderful family event, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, it's a safe event. You don't hear uh, of, of much uh, ruckus going on. There's no, you know, no violence. Uh, it, it's really, it's a, it's a, it's a clean, mm-hmm. clean family friendly event right yeah, like people uh, love to come to New Orleans but it's a different mm-hmm. type uh, celebration that they anticipate and ours is like you say more family yeah, friendly yeah you can walk with your children and not and worry a, about what you're going to see and then Acadiana just by itself mm-hmm. is so neat there's so many different things to see and do down here just a different culture right. it's got a really nice draw uh, a festival international you get people from uh, out of the country, and they and they know about the Mardi Gras, so that might mm-hmm. bring them back. Right. So each of these riders, I'm just thinking about. We talked about hotels and all, but each rider is buying beads. They're buying other things. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have numbers on all that, but I just happen to have some of that information. Uh, let me tell you about the uh, people 
that come uh, that are uh, visitors from outside this area or they are residents here but not in a crew. So these would be the uh, the Your parade spectators. goers. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and they also are guests at some of these Mardi Gras balls. The people uh, that are in that category, they figured spent $100 million what? in 2010. And they, they broke it down by the attendance at the parade. Uh, that category was $22 million was spent by people going out to the parades and I'm guessing their food, their drink, and whatever it is they did. Then $50 million was spent by hosting and entertaining guests, either in their their uh, their, their hotel rooms, uh, restaurants, and such as that. Uh, by going to the balls as a guest, they spent $14 million. And then just party, social events, and such as that was another $14 million. So the uh, the studies, and it was a big study, uh, indicated that they were spending a hundred million dollars. Now, our sales tax is four percent, so the direct taxes off of that was four million dollars for the uh, city parish uh, mm-hmm. of Lafayette. Uh, and then <clears throat> these people are a lot better at, at business calculations than I am, but there's apparently a spending and a respending yeah. effect of it, which actually they figured doubled it. Mm-hmm. So it generated $8 million worth of taxes for uh, our, our area for these people. Now, then you also mentioned the spending by the crews and the crew members. Um, they figured that they were, they were using 20 crews, and there's an average of 222 households in each crew. Like you and I mm-hmm. are in Bonaparte together. Right. So that would be one household. Uh, and so um, using uh, those numbers, the crews spent uh, an average of $160,000 each crew uh, for their expenses, putting on their ball and such as that. And then they have to rent the floats. There's a lot of other expenses mm-hmm. too, permits yeah. and all the things that go with participating. And, uh, and in times the number of crews, that's $3.2 million mm-hmm. the crews spent. Then they look at the spending by the members, which is significantly higher than that. And they have, uh, as all studies do, they continue to break it down further, you have your uh, royalty and your non-royalty members of the crews. And the royalties are the king and queen for the day mm-hmm. and the, the, the dukes and the, and the maids and the, and the pages and such as that. <laughs> And they spend a lot more oh, yeah. than the non-members of the crew uh, because they're putting on luncheons and, mm-hmm. and they're buying these elaborate costumes and, and they're bringing guests in and paying for them. And all the gifts, all the things people buy yeah, as part yes. of the, um, you know, the traditions. Yeah. Um, and the beads always amaze me, what people spend on the beads, which isn't apparent when you're just a spectator yeah. Oh, yeah. per person. It really adds up. Yeah. And, 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 they, and they all come with a lot of beads. Yeah, <laughs> big beads. Yeah. Big beads. A non-royalty member spends on the average of $3,000 during the Mardi Gras season, which would be uh, your fees for riding the floats, uh, the beads, and they buy extra beads. You get your costume, you bring guests, you go to the ball, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, your membership in the involved. crew. You know, there may be a little bit of liquor purchase. Maybe, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> has it. Uh, and um, so the um, the royalty members, though, their average is $24,000. Yeah, uh, which is incredible. Spend. It's a commitment. So together, um, the, uh, the, the, the total spending by the, the um, crews and the members is $10 million. Uh, and that generates, again, like 400000 in direct taxes mm-hmm. and, and 800000 in indirect. So they figured the total spending in 2010 for Mardi Gras that was generated during that period of time was $110 million uh, and generates a total of 4.4 direct taxes and 9.3 indirect taxes. So then you look, what does the city put in to get that in return? And they do. The city 
they have to put up all the barricades. They have the police officers that are out there uh, on the parade route to make it safe for everybody. And by the way, they do such a good job because they're 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 calm and they have so much going on and people are doing crazy stuff and they're just they're keeping their cool. Uh, and uh, and then you have Public Works who's putting out the barricades and who's doing the cleanup is phenomenal yeah. because if, if you ever are around after parade and you drive down Johnson Street uh, or Bertrand. Or you go to Simcoe and Surrey, and you see it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, like magic, it's gone. <clears throat> so they determined that uh, the uh, the city, through the police and public works and fire department and others, it, it's an in-kind contribution back then of a quarter of a million dollars, like mm-hmm. $250,000. But... It the the season generates right four million in direct and nine point three in indirect taxes, so it's a real boost for the city mm-hmm. of Lafayette. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah, yeah, I had seen that um, study, and I just I was shocked. But then when you really think about it, everybody's buying ball gowns, they're hosting parties, they're um, like you said buying beads, they're going out to dinner, having family over. It's Oh, yeah. it, it's really, and it's uh, an economic driver. You know, it multiplies the effects because we have so many locally owned restaurants here that benefit from this, and oh, the hotels. I'd love to have another study done uh, soon, just yeah. to see what the numbers are now, because the crews are getting bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are bringing more beads on the floats. Uh, again, like you said, the restaurant. There's many more restaurants here. Uh, I, I would love to mm-hmm. see what those numbers are now as opposed to 2010, because it's, it's got to be a tremendous amount of money. And I, I was really yeah. expecting fewer floats and um, maybe a slowdown because of our economic issues with the oil and gas downturn. But from what I understood this year, that wasn't what the experience was. You still had very high participation. Is that correct? With yes. The floats we, and the We, we had some crews had added a few floats and some uh, lost a few floats. But actually, the numbers were mm-hmm. the, the same as last year and, and this year. I think it's an event uh, that happens <clears throat> here in South Louisiana that people are, are endeared to, to Mardi Gras. They love Mardi Gras, and they want to be able to participate. So in, in the economic times that we've had over the last couple of years with the downturn in the oil and gas industry here um, – People are going to give some things up, but I think Mardi Gras is something that people are going to that that's if they have to if they're going to hold on to some things, Mardi Gras is one of them, and that's where they'll put that extra couple dollars away to stay mm-hmm. in the crew that they're in or to buy the beads and and ride in that in that parade because there's there's really nothing like jumping on a float and and watching the people holler and scream mm-hmm. as you ride by for bees. I mean, it's just, it's a thrill. And I think people are going to do what they need to do to be able to continue to do that. Right, to stay active in their crews and all. I know John feels like a rock star when he's throwing bees. <laughs> it's the closest thing to being a rock star I'll ever get. And you've done it, Jan. I have. I'm not as talented, though. I, I tend to get the beads all tangled. I get People are yelling, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, it's really something being on the floats. Oh, it it's, is. It's fun. It is. Like I say, you know, I ride on Tuesday uh, and, and, With and the key, uh-huh. and the Kings prayed for Gabriel. And I always say that is the best three and a half hours of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This year was so perfect. Our weather was perfect. You never know what you're going to get in early February, March, right. but um, what a delightful 2017 monograph. We, we we've had. been hampered mm-hmm. for the last three or four years with bad yeah. weather. So it was a delight to have wall to wall, good weather for all the parades right. because if you go back probably to 2013 uh at least one of our parades was was hampered with bad weather whether it be cold and wind or rain mm-hmm. or both uh you know it, it it would happen but this year we didn't have rain we didn't have cold it was actually quite balmy Mm-hmm. Balmy, on, uh, sunny, on Tuesday. It was, beautiful. it was it was great. And that affects much more than just the floats. I know that the Southwest Mardi Gras group depends on proceeds from the carnival that's going on on the side, the uh, the fair. Sure. That's at um, the Cajun Dome. Which I'll, one of y'all? I'm not sure which one uh, would talk about that, but that's something that helps sustain this organization. Is oh, that sure. correct? Sure. Uh, and before you know, before the the the, the festival at Cajun Field. 
uh, our main source of funding was uh, basically a letter writing campaign to ask for donations uh, from folks uh, like to, your family, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like our my family and, and many of the others in, in, that 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 love Mardi Gras and. Uh, our source of funding was was from that because uh, it you know Mardi Gras doesn't just happen it costs a lot of money uh, and and again you know I'll, I'll get to you, to to your question in a second but you know the the role of Greater Southwest uh, we're not a crew but we're a group of volunteers we're a board uh, of just over twenty folks and we serve as an organizing body for Lafayette for the Mardi Gras celebration. Uh, we coordinate parades. We secure the floats uh, for many of the parades. We um, we hire and pay bands to march in our parades. Oh, the um, bands are paid. They the do bands get, are paid. Uh, oh, yeah, they don't. They, you know, they're they're coming uh, because we, we we pay them some good money to mm-hmm. to march, uh, and they enjoy doing it. You know, the same bands come year in year out to to march. They love doing it. Uh, we work. Uh, we purchase insurance, uh, you know, to to be able to secure ourselves for the for the for the for the parades, for the floats, for the vehicles that pull the floats. Uh, we work with public works. We work with, uh, as John said earlier, with the police, the fire departments, the city marshal, uh, the sheriff's department. Uh, we basically act as the intermediary between the crews and the city mm-hmm. to, to put this on. Uh, and I think that, you know it's a great relationship we have with the city. The city, I think, enjoys having us uh, as opposed to having to deal with 20 individual crews. The city deals with us, and we handle the crews. So You're the buffer. It, it's, we're the buffer. It's yeah. a great relationship. Uh, and again, uh, we provide the funding to pay for all of these services that we do uh, to to rent the floats that we in turn rent to the crews. Again, purchasing <clears throat> insurance and things like that, putting on the city ball on Tuesday night. So as time went on, uh, you know, trying to find funds to, to do this was, was taxing. So in 1993 is when uh, Le Festival de Mardi Gras was started, which is the fair at Cajun Field. Oh, I see. And okay. so we put that, 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 is a, that is Southwest's biggest fundraiser now. Uh, it generates a, a great deal of money. Uh, you know, we have rides, we have bands that play. Uh, there's food and drink there. Uh, the parade rolls right. That's mm-hmm. basically the end of the parade route. That's where the parade ends. And so, uh, you know, we, we charge uh, to park there. And then obviously you, you pay for food and drink if you want to do that and pay for rides. So that income uh, comes to help mm-hmm. pay for for, for the party we, we we're able to put on here in Lafayette. So good weather is really important for a good fundraiser. There. Good weather mm-hmm. is is key for us because if the people come out, they're going to spend money, and that's where we make money to be able to do what we do. Who's your uh, who do you coordinate with to put on the fair? Is that UL Lafayette or the Cajun Dome? Uh, it's it's uh, UL. Uh, we deal with them because they own the property. Uh, it's in the parking lot of the football stadium. So we actually rent that space from them to uh, to be able to put the fair on. Mm-hmm. We have one of our uh, board members, Randall Mann, mm-hmm. is in charge of the fair. And he spends the weekend out there. He does, he from Acadian. He motor yeah. home. And he goes and he's hands-on with with uh, the parking and the, 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 the collecting the money and paying people and everything. I didn't realize that he spent that much time, but he does. Randall has has been a blessing to do that. He serves as our treasurer uh, on the board for Greater Southwest, but he has been uh, chairman of the fair for probably the better part of 20 years, maybe 20, 21 years, and he does a great job with Mm -hmm. it. Uh, I know I wouldn't want to do it, but uh, (laughs) he's a great guy. He's he's dedicated and he he loves doing it, and he does a very good job of of putting it on. You know, I'm sitting here thinking uh, I actually run a nonprofit, Upper Lafayette, and uh, I know that most groups to be sustained have paid employees that they're on task, you know, 24 7, making sure things go forward. It's incredible that this has been sustained for this many decades by purely volunteer workers. All volunteer. Mm -hmm. Because with all the wars, like you were talking about, economic downturns, people moving, you guys have sustained this organization. And uh, it's you need to be commended 
It's incredible because we all just depend on this for fun every year. Sure. And no question how it happens. I I was one of, I'm guilty as charged because as as a younger individual, when I first got into the crew of Gabriel, you know, I was not involved other than being a crew member. And so, hey, I showed up Tuesday morning, got on my float and had Mm -hmm. a blast and threw beads. And then uh, Mike Gibbons, who was uh, the president of Southwest at the time, called me and asked me if I was interested in volunteering Kind of like what John said, uh, didn't think twice about it, didn't ask a question about what I was going to do. And, and I love Mardi Gras. And I said, sure, I'm, I'm in. And uh, I've spent the better part of probably 10 or 11 years with Greater Southwest in one capacity or another. And then finally running up the chain of the executive board and finished my year as president of the organization and now past president. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, I'll always be there. But uh, it was a nice day. To call yeah. myself past president. Right. Well, past but president is the job everyone wants. Cherishes. That's, that's what everybody uh, wants at some yeah, point. Yeah, but to be in line, to be a yeah. leader is really an honor. It, it was an honor. Yeah. And, and again, I had, I had my last meeting a couple of weeks ago when we uh, we made the change in, in the board and in the executive board. And, you know, I, I, I've made a lot of friends, uh, had a lot of friends going in but have made a lot of friends during my time and just was honored to be able to work with such a hard, mm-hmm. hardworking group of individuals. Again, volunteer Dedicated. at its finest. Yeah. Uh, just it's for the love of Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Baton Rouge and um, we just didn't have this. I mean, I guess some people would go to New Orleans. I know in college I did that, but we just didn't have this culture. And I moved here in 83 after law school mm-hmm. and I was immediately just um, mesmerized by the love of this tradition. And I think for people that hopefully will hear this podcast around the country, it's something to come see. It, it's really a testament to our, mm-hmm. you know, to our, our community, Definitely. Uh, the fun that we have. And I know, John, you grew up in Lake Charles, just an hour and a half from here, hour away. And you were really immersed in Mardi Gras. Your mother designed yeah. ball gowns for decades for uh, twenty years, yeah, uh, she designed there. So gowns. you grew up with this, and you just really got into it as soon as oh, yeah. you moved here. You loved it, and uh, it was kind of like Rick. It's just, it's just, some, it's natural. It's just part of what you do mm-hmm. in your family. But yet, Mom, uh, the in Lake Charles, their Mardi Gras is not of the quite the level we have here. Uh, uh, but they kind of modeled theirs off of Lafayette. Uh, uh, here in Lafayette, Atakapa, I think is probably the ladies, one of their oldest uh, crews. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lake Charles, some of the ladies, including mom, came over and met with them mm-hmm. and created what's called the Crew of Mystique in Lake Charles. And then um, and she eventually became queen of the Crew mm-hmm. of Mystique. And my <clears throat> my dad was in a crew uh, called uh, uh, Contraband. And Contraband is, is very similar to Gabriel over here. And uh, uh, and so he was a, a duke, and, and he had actually been asked to be the king of contraband, uh, but he he he, had, he got ill, wasn't able to do that. Uh, but so yeah, <clears throat> I had that background, and then came over here and got involved in Bonaparte. Uh, was uh, fortunate to, uh, to serve as a duke mm-hmm. with uh, Tommy Hightower as the king. But you're talking about the the volunteer work. What I see as the reward is when you're, and you've seen it, when you're on the parade and you go down the street and you see these kids and and parents and grandparents, and they're just having a ball out there doing that. And you're doing it for, like we were saying, a quarter of a million people. And they're having great fun. So that's just kind of, mm-hmm. that's the payback. Oh, right. yeah. To see those, for it. those folks line up, they get there hours before the parade starts and and there, it's it's like a tailgate for a football game because people are out there barbecuing, uh, just making a day. Oh, the RVs! They oh, line RVs! Up. Yeah, that get their we, spots. We, we, we that's another form of our funding at the fair is we rent RV spots mm-hmm. and people they get there on Friday and they're there till till Mardi Gras runs out on Tuesday evening. Right. So they're they're there for the duration. You um, know, I would be remiss if we didn't mention the ladies committee. Uh, you, John, you were just talking about when. Um, the, the debutantes are presented. Um, I know Gabriel presents all the debu- all the seniors in high school can be presented, and then when the young ladies are freshmen in college, I think twelve are selected, and then there's additionally a queen selected. 
And the ladies have given so much. We haven't mentioned that, but they are so hardworking, and they really shepherd the young women to make sure that they learn the niceties, such as you know oh, yeah. um, how they, to curtsy, how to present themselves, and it's a super honor. The ladies to be are selected. they're wonderful to work with, they are. and and uh, a lot of a lot of what happens with the ball and the queen and the pageantry wouldn't happen without them. Right. Uh, currently, uh, Mimi Francis mm-hmm. is the chairman of the ladies' committee. Uh, my aunt Cherie Kraft served as the chairman of the ladies' committee for a long time. My grandmother served as as chairman of the ladies' committee as well. But yes, they they select the the maids and eventually the queen. Uh, and just do a fantastic job uh, with with all of it. I mean, I I, I would be remiss if I, I can't name them all, but they, they, it's a wonderful group of ladies to work with. Uh, I remember they, we were so nervous for Taylor, very regimented, you know. Yeah, yeah but they're so kind because you have to wear the right color. It has to be white and not off white and. They were just so kind because I didn't grow up with this, and yeah. I was worried about misstepping because you just don't want to mm-hmm. do that. And um, Pauline Jeremy. Pauline, shepherded yeah. me through there for Taylor, and it made it, it just made it really nice because you want everybody to enjoy it. And uh, all the volunteers really yeah. have that same uh, community spirit. We've been very lucky to have, yeah, yeah. Our family involved in that. Um, so. And, um, but yeah, Pauline, uh, Mary Laborde mm-hmm. serves on there. Mary Laborde is basically, she, she runs the ball on Tuesday night for Greater Southwest, and uh, she has put together a wonderful show. Uh, she does right. a fantastic job. Will, will, and she a, until last year she also did the costumes for uh, the king, the queen. I didn't realize uh, for that. the for the pages. She she's the one that uh, that did all of the the beading, mm-hmm. the embroidery, uh, and she uh, retired. I guess you would say from that duty, but continues on as as our our, our point person for the ball mm-hmm. and. Uh, we hope she doesn't go anywhere in that She's capacity not. for a she while. She can't. She loves it. Um, I would like to say one other thing. Uh, jumping back into uh, into funding Mardi Gras, uh, I was talking about the festival, how it, it it creates some revenue for us, as well as a letter campaign that we uh, that we send out. Um, again, with the, the the current economic times we've we've had over the last couple of years uh, here in Lafayette, uh, South Louisiana as a whole. Um, you know, sponsorships have been hard to come by. We've had a couple of long-term sponsors pull out for for one reason or another, mostly directly tied to the economy. So we've had to come up with new ideas of, of fundraising. Um, one thing we did this year is we, we had our first annual uh, 5K. Uh, that we ran and it was uh, it was a success it actually it it we made some money on that uh, had a lot of participation and it came at a good time uh, because we thought it was going to be extra money uh, but it actually took the place of some sponsorships that pulled That's out great. so yeah. it, it was it was a good time to have it we will continue to have it uh, and build upon uh, upon that um, you know We'll take donations from anybody. Uh, you can actually go to our website, which is www.gomardigras.com. Uh, there's a donation button on there. You can you can donate. Uh, so if uh, if you have some money to give and don't know where to give it, we'll we'll be happy mm-hmm. to take your money because, like I said, the the cost of Mardi Gras doesn't go down; it continues to rise. Right. If you just Google Southwest Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. the association comes sure. up and. Um, I, uh, have we covered, I want to make sure we cover what, you know, the, the nuts and bolts. Oh, sure. One thing, one thing that we developed over the last couple of years is we've got an app, uh, for Mardi Gras. Uh, if you, if you, if you, if you search, uh, Lafayette Mardi Gras on your smartphone, you'll find our app and it's got, uh, a lot of the information you get off of our website. It's got, it's going to give you parade times. Uh, it's going to give you the, the whole rundown of what's going on at the festival. It's going to give you every band that's going to play over the weekend, uh, what times, uh, it's going to give you a little bit of information about every crew that's a member of greater Southwest. So you can look at each crew and you can find out a little history about each of those, when they were formed, what their membership is. Uh, one of the very neat things about the app that we've got is, um, service Chevrolet provides their vehicles to pull our floats and we have GPS, uh, units in those trucks. And so you can, uh, 
you can click on a parade and you can monitor where the parade is on the route uh, by the GPS unit. So you can follow the parade. So That's it's really a great, helpful. it's yeah. a great tool if you're running late and let's say you wanted to watch the parade towards the front. Well, you're running late traffic, a wreck or whatever, you know, you can see where the parade is. And so you could divert and you could get to the parade route in another spot and right. watch it. So you, you, you've got it right at your fingertips <laughs> to know where that parade is and how it's rolling. Or, you know, if you're out there early and the kids are getting antsy, you can, right. you can show them, hey, kids, it's going to be here in mm-hmm. just a few minutes. Right. right. Uh, so that's a great, a great app. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very, very user friendly. It's got all the information you need from Mardi Gras. And Jen, when you started uh, asking me questions, you talked about safety. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to touch on that sure. uh, very briefly. Uh, and so far as what we uh, try to do is the uh, the drivers we get are the parents and the leaders of the Cub Scouts and the Boy Scouts, and and it's a it's a fundraising event for them too, and we have training for them every year. The police department puts that on, and on a Saturday and a Sunday for a couple of hours, that the police department gives them their training uh, and hands on <clears throat> pulling a float. Then we have meetings with the crews, and we give them direction about what to tell their crew members uh, how to be safe. The night of at the parades, uh, we uh, have an inspection by the fire department. The police department's out there checking. Uh, and so there's a lot of facets to it, and, and we think that it's, it's been successful in having family-friendly, fun, mm-hmm. safe parades. Right. Mardi Gras will be held in 2018 on February 13th. For more information about the association's activities, you can visit gomardigras.com. Sure, because yeah, a lot of the history that we talked about tonight mm-hmm. is on our website. So yeah, go to the website and right. look at it. And, and like I said, learn about Mardi Gras in South Louisiana. Uh, once you look at it, you'll be clamoring to get down mm-hmm. here and experience. It's something you just don't want to miss. So this is uh, the reason for our show. We want to encourage people to come get to know Lafayette and Acadiana. And I think without Mardi Gras, it just wouldn't be the same place. So um, I'd like to thank you both. Our, our guests today have been Rick Shapwe and, and John Swift. And thank you for all the work you do for our community. We're grateful. Jan, my thank you pleasure. so much. Yep. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Views and opinions expressed on this or any program on the AOC Podcast Network do not reflect the views and opinions of Lafayette Consolidated Government, Cox Communications, LUS Fiber, AOC Community Media, its board of directors, or its staff. To learn more about becoming a community media producer, visit us on the web at aocinc.org.